What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Chaz Pearson, and this is the Outlet Forum Podcast with my esteemed co-host, Chris Camello. What's up, Chris? The NBA playoffs are here, baby! Man, you know it. Another great week and another great show of the Outlet Forum. Should Kevin Durant ask out of Brooklyn after being swept by the Boston Celtics? And is James Harden holding Philly back from getting to that next level that they've always wanted to get to, a.k.a. the process? John Morant, does he really deserve the most improved player of the year? And how long is Spider Mitchell going to stay in Utah? And I got to put myself on the spot, Chris, because last week I bloviated about a lot, but it was I wrong about the Miami Heat. And of course, we got your social media posts of the week, my favorite part of the show, but we got to get first into Kevin Durant clapping back at Charles Barkley. Ooh. He's being swept from the first round of the playoffs obviously did not have a good series was averaging 20 up until he dropped uh i think 20 in the first half of the last game game he ended four. up with 35 in game four but yeah, he missed he played, a critical free throw and he missed some big shots down the he, stretch he played and he just looked exhausted man yeah and here's the thing kevin durant has been the player that deserves the least amount of blame the person that deserves the least amount of blame in the entire Brooklyn organization for what went on this year and being bounced out of the first round. The man just looks flat out exhausted. And from dealing with Kyrie's BS to James Harden's BS to Ben Simmons BS to Steve Nash's inconsistencies as a coach. And obviously so because he's only what a second year or third year head coach. Oh yes. Second. By the way, I got a I, mean, new, I, I got a new name for the Brooklyn Nets just came to me. The Brooklyn P the Brooklyn PAs, the Brooklyn Passive aggressives. I think that suits that team's like a, like a glove. The Brooklyn PAs coming coming I mean, to an arena near you. I mean, I don't know if it's really passive aggressive because KD will bring it right to your doorstep, and I like that. I've always respected that. I don't know. I didn't always agree that's with not, the way that that's he not, did things. That's not clapping but, back. That's deflecting. That's deflecting. That's not taking ownership of anything. All right. Well, let's let's get into it. For those of you that don't know, <laughs> Kevin Durant clapped back at Charles Barkley after Charles Barkley had the whole bus driver conversation. And he said, well, let's just have you guys listen for yourselves. Is Kevin Durant a great, great player? He is, and he's been stifled by Boston. And I was going to go there. And, and let me tell you something. I don't want to bad mouth the dude, but I'm, I, I, see, you guys always talk about that championship stuff. I try to tell y'all, all these bus riders, they don't mean nothing to me. If you ain't driving the bus, don't walk around and talk about you a champion. If you riding the bus, I don't want to hear it. Come on, Shaq, tell them. All these guys walk around with these championship rings. Hey, y'all bus riders. But let That's me tell two you something. In the road, when you bus, when you the bus driver, and you got all that pressure where you have to play well, are you gonna get the blame? That's a different animal. It's a but, different animal. But I, I think also, guys, guys are on the bus. Yeah. They're also important. giving directions. Giving directions. There are guys that are on that bus giving directions. They're not just sitting there. Yeah, they just on the bus. No, because no, because no, let me tell you something. No, the, the Clippers, because let me tell There's you something. Okay, because Kevin Durant's not on the bus. He's just not on the bus. Yeah, no. But he's never he, on what, the bus. what has happened when he was driving the bus? Well, he's never just. No, but what he, was he happening lost, when he was driving the bus? He lost to the finals. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, he did. And okay. then when he was in Oklahoma City again. But he what? was driving. You don't think yeah. he was the bus driver in, in Golden State? No, I do not. You don't think he was the best player on that team? Uh, no, I do not. Wow. I do. Well, you can say that, but he. he I thought he was the best player. You don't join no 73 win team and talk about you. But he was the best player. No, he, he got MVP. He wasn't the best player. Iguodala wasn't the best player. He got MVP. So obviously, Charles Barkley has what Shaq likes to call G14 classification to say what he just said. And to be honest, I agree with him. If you're not driving the bus and you saying you a champion and you this and that and you up here, I mean, the top of the food chain in terms of certain positions that you have, especially, see, what people don't understand is that as a Hall of Famer, yeah, you could be a Hall of Famer, but there's certain levels in the Hall of Fame within these specific classes. So there's certain tables that certain people can't sit at. Carl Malone and Charles Barkley cannot sit at the same table as LeBron James and Kobe Bryant 
and Michael Jordan. They just can't because number one, they haven't won a ring. And number two, they haven't been the main person driving the bus for the team in order to win that championship. So that's what Charles Barkley means when he's referring to Kevin Durant, you know, not riding or just riding the bus and not driving the bus because it'd be argued that Steph Curry actually was the MVP of that second finals that they won in 2018, I believe. So uh, against the, uh, when they swept the Cavaliers. So I understand what Chuck is talking about, but Kevin Durant clapped back and put up some posts in the morning and there's pictures of Chuck and Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone and Julius Irving and, you know, all the players that he played with in Philadelphia, players like Hakeem Olajuwon and, Clyde Drexler when he was in Houston, all of these players that he Scottie played Pippen with. Scotty Pippen too in 99. Scotty, P- Scotty Pippen as well. So, I mean, I understand where KD was coming from, but what'd you make of it, Chris? Did you like, did you like KD kind of clapping back or did you no. really respect what Chuck said or both sides? Well, here's the thing. I, I thought they're, they're, they were both flawed in a way. I mean, listen, we all know what KD did. He joined a 73 win team that I had just beaten him right? Rallied from a 3-1 series deficit in 2016 on him and Russell Westbrook's watch. Joins up with the Warriors, has an amazing three-year stretch. Unfortunately, ended with him blowing out his Achilles in pursuit of that third straight title. He was phenomenal in those series. Clutch shots, great defense against LeBron James. It forced him to expand the other aspects of his game. He became an elite defender, a better rebounder, a better team player, better off the ball. And he was, he fit that culture well. He turned all of that in to go to Brooklyn and play with Kyrie and start something else and try to lead the team himself to a championship, to be the number one guy, something he wasn't able to do in Oklahoma City. Now, what Chuck is trying to say as far as driving the bus is, yeah, you won those two championships, but you were not a culture trendsetter. You were a big part of those championships. No question about it. And a big part of that run in 2019 as well, up until he got injured. We could almost put Durant's championships in the same category as what Kawhi Leonard did for Toronto in a lot of ways. Toronto, uh, he came, uh, Kawhi Leonard went into a team that was already well-established, good front office, good ownership, good coaching staff, uh, and a team that already had an established culture that just kept running into LeBron and just couldn't get over that top. We never really talk about Kawhi Leonard as an elite leader. He may have led on the court, but he didn't, he didn't actually elevate the Toronto Raptors as far as culture or, or driving that bus. That bus was still driven by Kyle Lowry. And I think that's right. where you can kind of put Durant in. And I think that's what Chuck was trying to say. It wasn't about necessarily driving the bus. It's more or less like you this wasn't a team that you put on your shoulders. You well, had three other great players next to you and a great coaching staff. And what KD did was a little bit of a slap in the face to Chuck. First of all, Chuck didn't join up with Houston until the twilight of his career. It was obvious Olajuwon was close to being done. Drexler was close to being done. Scottie Pippen did not work out in 99, but Chuck did that in the latter stages of his career. And for him to point out Philadelphia, he was drafted there. He didn't push to go to Philadelphia. He was drafted there, just like Durant was drafted in OKC. So your points are flawed, and it makes you look salty, spiteful, and insecure. And I, and I just don't think there, there's room for that in that in that point. I'm sorry, Chaz. This is but, what I hate about Kevin Durant, the person. I, but I but he made I thought he made valid points with the Not pictures really. because Not it's really. like yo, you played with great players too, whether you were drafted there or not. You play with basketball is a team game. You have to play with great players as well in order to win. But can you be the guy on a championship team? That's what Chuck is referring to, being the best player on a championship team. And to be honest with you, you could argue he wasn't in 2018, but in 2017 when he won his first chip, he was most definitely the best player in that series. So, I mean, I understand what he's talking about, but I – but did he actually I, I see lead? Both sides did he lead? I think it's about leading and, and establishing a culture on his mark. And they I, didn't I, in either case. With his play. I don't know. I mean. With his play, with yes, his, but not with, with everything else. With his else. plays did. So, so that's what I'm saying. You've got to put KD in the Kawhi conversation 
similar to what Kawhi did in Toronto. Yeah, KD, look, KD can't sit at the same table with LeBron and Mike and, and Kobe. He can't. He just can't. Not yet. He's got to do what he went to Brooklyn to do. He has to do that in order to sit at that table. Yeah. Okay. He can sit at the table with everybody else, but there are certain people. I mean, I like what Nick Wright said. Nick Wright had a few things to say on Twitter about this whole Kevin Durant conversation. And I kind of wanted to mention that as well before we, before we open the fences and let the dogs out on Ben Simmons, because that's about to come up in just a sec. But before, before we get to uh, that, Chaz, I think I got to stop this podcast. My back hurts. Oh, Oh, you want to, you got to leave. Yeah, gotta, no. Oh gosh. I'm really, man, I'm stressed. Right you want to file man. a grievance. You want to file a yeah. grievance? Too, the oh my gosh. I think I stubbed my toe too on the desk here <laughs> man, while, no, I, while, while I was doing this. Look, man, look, oh, look, man. look, 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 I'm look, getting look. cold sweats, bro. Uh, Look, before we get in, before we get into this character of Ben Simmons, I'm sorry. Look, look, there's, there's at least Nick Wright said, I heard my guy, Zach Lowe call Katie, the top 10 of all time and no order. Here's 14 guys that are ahead of Katie, Kareem, Magic, Mike, LeBron, Wilt, Russell, Duncan, Kobe, Bird, Hakeem, Shaq, Dr. J, Stefan, Giannis. I don't know about Steph and Giannis, but I mean, 12 of those people, I mean, there's certain, I mean, he might have one up on Hakeem. He might have one up on, that's about it. Well, well <laughs> let me say, and let, me, I mean, let, let me say this about Kevin Durant, the basketball player, one of the greatest I've ever seen. Kevin Durant came into the league in 2007. This dude was wiry, a six foot 10 walking mismatch as Vic the Brick used to call Lamar Odom, but Kevin Durant was a true Six foot 10, six foot 11, uh, walking mismatch. One of the most skilled scorers I ever seen. Uh, the mid range game is top five all time. I've told you that. I've said it on this podcast. I thought in game four, he did everything he could in a series where a lot of things did not go Durant's way. A lot of that was uh, Boston's defense. He left it all out there. And I'm not even going to put all of Brooklyn's problems on Kevin Durant. You know, he's done everything he could possibly do. Recovering from an Achilles injury uh, in year, what was it? In year 12 of his career. That's not easy to come yep. back from. No, I am not crushing Kevin Durant's heart, his competitive drive, or really his leadership on the court. But it's everything else. How he addresses critics. The fact that he didn't lay down the law on Kyrie Irving. Because let, let's be honest, had he, been, had he spoken up to Kyrie personally, maybe James Harden is still with the team. And maybe they go further the way we thought they were going to go last year before all of the injuries. And now you're stuck with Ben Simmons and you don't know what the heck this guy's going to do. Right. But all we're saying about Kevin Durant is the leadership off the court. Is he elevating these guys where they are going to eventually get to that end goal of winning a championship? And now I'm not so sure. When you get swept like this, man, it, oh, this was that's rough. This was this was the most unexpected sweep I've ever witnessed in my true that over thirty plus years of watching bas NBA basketball. Right. Um, I don't know. Let me just ask you a quick question before we move on to Ben. Should Katie ask out, or should he ask management management to get Kyrie out? They're attached at the hip at this point. It's like, yeah. it's like a guy that Kyrie with one year left on his deal. You know, Chess, have you ever had a friend who loved his girlfriend that nobody else in your inner circle could stand because you knew it was toxic? Have you ever had a situation like that? Friend, family member, anything like that where it's yeah, like, of course. Yeah. okay, yeah. that's what the KD and Kyrie situation is. Man, you comparing it to one of those? I think it's similar to that. Like everybody you know I mean? telling a KD to get out, but he can't because he loves his boy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think that's really what it is. He made this comparison. He made this investment with Kyrie and he's going to see it through no matter how many people would like to move on from Kyrie. And, you know, like we were saying with the Lakers, they're going to have to trade one of these guys, Westbrook or AD in order to get some depth, right? Because you're not going to get it through free agency because you can't offer anything. And it's going to be difficult to get it through the draft. So we've got to trade one of our pieces in order to cr create some depth. That's what I think Sean Marks and Joe Sy and everybody else in the Brooklyn organization would like to do theoretically. 
because nobody's going to want Simmons, right? We're kind of stuck there. Kyrie's got some value, right? Even with the injuries and all the stuff off the court, if we can trade Kyrie and get some pieces in return, maybe now we would have a better fitting squad moving forward. But I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I really it's think not. that it's- I, I really think that they're stuck together. That's what I'm saying. It's a do. It's your homie and your homie's girl that you're going to have to live with right now. No, Katie's not going to hold him accountable like that. I'll be surprised if he does. Should he ask out? No, he should go to management and get Kyrie out if he really does want to win, but he's not going to do it because they came there together. Um, and to be honest, he already signed the deal and he can't ask for a trade. If he asks for a trade, wherever he goes, they're not going to get equitable compensation for KD and he's not going to be able to have a good enough team to win. So virtually he's stuck. So he has to make it work. And that leads us to the another, another player that's on the team that isn't fully well questionable. And there's good question as to their seriousness about the love for the game of basketball. And that's Ben Simmons along with Kyrie Irving. Ben Simmons hasn't played since what May of 2001 or 2021. Sorry, yeah. not 20 years ago, but May of last year where he infamously gave up or passed up that dunk to kick it out. And he's had mental issues and back issues as a result and all kinds of issues with the Philadelphia 76ers and now in Brooklyn. And I feel the worst for, for KD and, and Sean Marks really, because Sean Marks made the deal for Ben Simmons thinking that he was going to be good to go. I'm sure that he had assurances from Rich Rich Paul that he was going to get Ben Simmons on the floor. There's no way that he makes that trade without getting assurances that he's going to be okay to play at some point. There's no way you give up James Harden. So the fact that Sham Sharania has reported that Rich Paul and Clutch has met with Sean Marks and the Nets head or brass means that they're not on the same page and they've had to smooth things over kind of like Rich Paul had to do with sitting down with Rob Palenka and Jeannie Buss around the all-star break when all that passive aggressive stuff was coming out of LeBron's camp. So you see a trend here and I don't know. I, I just think that it's just so weak for Ben Simmons. Howard Beck reported that Ben Simmons wasn't even in the arena when the Nets got swept and he was, the he, fact he, that he yeah, isn't even was, there. Yeah. And he, he didn't even dress. He's not on the bench. He, he wore all those silly outfits and caused attention to himself. People call him out for it because you say that you're going to play in game four, but not game three. Stephen A said, man, he's not going to play on Monday anyway. <laughs> and he was right. And he gets called out for it. And then he doesn't even show up to the arena. So I just feel for the Nets organization because they thought that they were going to get a player that was going to at least be able to give them some minutes and – Ben Simmons now looks like the weak, mentally weakest player of all time. And I hate to say that, and this yeah. is coming from somebody, and I can openly say this, I have a therapist and I speak to somebody on a weekly basis just to have kind of, you know, my own thought process and, and positive influences and things of that nature. Right. So I'm very sensitive to mental health going through it myself. So, but at the same time, I can tell when somebody is, not all there, not all there in terms of mental fortitude, but not all there in terms of dedication to the game. He likes what the game gives and brings to him, not what he can do for the game. He doesn't step out of himself. It's always about himself as far as Vince. And I'll make this last. I just want to make this last point, Chris. I'll give it to you. You're making great points, by the way. Ben Simmons. The re the real reason why Ben Simmons didn't play is because he has a grievance and he's trying to recoup $20 million currently from the Philadelphia 76ers. And the only way to even have a pot, he's not, he's going to lose the grievance for one for two. The only way to win it is to not play and prove that you were not good to play. And he should have been paid this money because it was guaranteed and so on and so forth. And it's money from the Philadelphia 76ers finding him for not being eligible to play or not being available to play. And he cited mental health issues. And this is before the back because the back didn't come into question until he got to Brooklyn. So it's solely based on mental health issues. And this is why you're hearing the mental health issues coming up again, because he wants to get those 20 M's Chris, what do you make of Ben Simmons and 
this fiasco. Well, here's the problem. I respect the fact that you were you know, you were talking about seeing a therapist. I mean, the fact that you're putting it out here on this podcast, I applaud that. I, that cannot be an easy thing to talk about, not just with me, although you, I mean, you and I are good friends and whatnot, but to just put it right. out there in public. So I applaud that. We all go Appreciate through. It. Absolutely. And we, and, and obviously mental health has become something where it's affecting athletes. You know, we always think these athletes, they got it made. They're making millions of dollars. They, they're on commercials. They, they got the world at their feet. Yes and no. All the money in the world doesn't always make you happy. I mean, we could cite thousands right. of names in music and in sports and in entertainment through the years. A lot of people have ended up committing suicide, drug overdoses, uh, you know, uh, have had had been in and out of rehab. It is a definitely a serious issue. So I hope people take what you said seriously. And what I did earlier was was joking because. When it comes to Ben Simmons, I don't think the mental issues are as genuine as, let's say, what DeMar DeRozan has gone through, what Kevin Love has gone through, what Meta World Peace has gone through, where you could really tell that these guys were genuinely negatively affected by mental health. With Ben, I think, like you were saying, it's a bunch of other things under the umbrella of or trying to hide under the cape of mental illness which undermines people with real anxiety issues, depression issues, you know, hyperactivity, whatever the case may be. That's the issue I have with Ben Simmons because, you know, I, 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 I'm speculating. I can't imagine whatever he's gone through is so serious that he cannot push forward. Listen, I've gone to, I've gone to work sick. I've gone to work you know, after my mom died was a very, very difficult time in my life. And you know what happened? I went to work three days after her funeral, three days, Jess, her funeral was on a Thursday. I yeah. went back to work that Monday it, and I was it, reminded of that every day, but you know, you know why I was like, the only way I'm going to help myself is if I put my nose to the grindstone and work and do something to keep my mind for a few hours anyway, free. And maybe Ben should have taken a page out of that book. You know what I mean? Granted. I don't think it's ever best to inject somebody for the first time this season in the middle of a playoff series. But at the same point in time, it's like, you know what? I think I could help these guys. I'm going to give them whatever I've got just, just to say that I did. And maybe if nothing else, Chaz, like look at Blake Griffin, hardly played eight minutes, changed the dynamic of game three. They didn't win, but it still changed the dynamic of the game. Same in game four. That yeah, was my I issue with Ben. He could have had a Willis Reed type moment. And those fans in Brooklyn are blue collar fans, man. I mean, I, I got go a that lot far. What? <laughs> I wouldn't go that far as Willis Reed, but yeah, go ahead. Well, you under it's I I meant to say a Willis type Reed moment, type, I type of moment. You know what I, I mean? Uh, Kobe with the Achilles, Clay with Willis the Reed turning in his grave, man. True. No, I uh, yeah, no. Is Willis still alive, or did he he, he just passed? Oh, I, I think uh, I think he passed. Think Willis, he if you're still alive, I'm sorry. I think he passed. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll check on that. But that's that's what I was saying, like. 10 to 12 minutes, whatever, rebound, make a few plays, give, what did I say last week? Give Boston something they're not ready for. They don't have any game footage so, on you in Brooklyn. You would have completely caught Ime Udoka and Brown and Tatum and Smart completely off guard with being injected. That was the issue. And, and the last thing I'll say that really bothered me was the fact that it had to have been his camp that leaked it out to Sean saying, hey, Ben's coming back. And then you don't, and you make Shams look bad, but you make the rest of the organization look bad. And this is what Sham had to say. For Nets players, the confusion was not centered around Simmons' ailment, but with the perceived lack of attempt to play, effort to be in uniform, and push his body in these high-stakes playoffs. Nets players and coaches wanted to see Simmons show resolve and enter the series to start this on-court Brooklyn tenure, even if it was for limited minutes on Monday or none at all while still dressing for the game. Just dress for the game is all they wanted. All they wanted you to do was just wear black, be inconspicuous, sit on the bench, maybe even try and get on the court for a minute or two, and that's it. But uh, he's just all about himself, man. He's just all about himself. Somebody else who has always, always been about themselves and is a great player is James Harden. And we got to segue into 
Father Time is catching up with my man in real time right in front of us, man. And the fact that James Harden in this Toronto series over the course of five games has gone six for 17, three for nine, seven for 13, five for 17, four for 11. I mean, his best game was 22 points. Since when has Jeff, James Harden's best game in a series been 22 points? It's just, it's crazy to see. The question becomes now that the Raptors have made it a series and have fought back from being down 0-3 to now one win away from tying the series with it currently being 3-2 going back to Air Canada Center. Is James Harden holding back the Philadelphia 76ers? First of all, he doesn't look, I don't know either. He doesn't look explosive. He's looked old in this series. I mean, give Toronto's defense some credit. They're throwing a lot of length at him. Uh, They've got a lot of quicker guys and he's not able to create the amount of separation or beat these guys off the dribble. Like he was able to uh, even last year. So I don't know if it's conditioning. I don't know if it's his hamstrings. I don't know if he's trying too hard to fit in and trying to get everybody else involved and try to transform his game. But if he doesn't have Chaz, a 35 point type performance a vintage Houston rocket type performance, or even what he did against the Lakers. Remember earlier this season when Lakers were in Brooklyn, didn't he have like 38? I I mean, he was the only one that played Durant and, and Irving didn't play in that game, but he had like 38 on Lakers and he had a triple double against them on Christmas day. If he doesn't have that kind of performance, especially with Embiid and that thumb, not looking hundred percent maxi has cooled off as the series has gone on. I don't know this series. Doc rivers may become the most infamous head coach in the history of the NBA blowing three, three, one series uh, deficits and becoming the first coach to blow an, a three host series lead. That would be nuts. No, that would no, be nuts. You know, Chaz, I, I really don't think it's going to happen. You know, I mean, we, we know what our, what our deficiencies are, <laughs> you know, and, and Joe's out there doing what he's got to do. But if we don't bring that fire, you're right. We're going to go to a game seven. We're going to probably lose that game. You love that doc rivers impression. My man, look, <laughs> look, I need Philly to win this series. Cause if they lose, then damn it, Doc Rivers going to be in the talks for the Lakers job. And I don't want that. So they need to hurry up and figure this shit out ASAP. Okay. But James Harden. Yeah, we do. Look, man, his, his, he hasn't been right since his hamstring. And I think it's both. I think it's Toronto's length and them being able to switch six, seven and six, 10 and six, seven and six, six and six, four on James Harden at all times. On top of the fact that he's lost a step, clearly, which is why Kyrie said what he said to him reportedly in Nets practice before he got traded about him being washed to why Kyrie picked him up full court when they played later on in the season after James Harden got traded to now James Harden not being able to get off um, certain and he's not even he's not even able to get off and get by his defender. He's 0 for 10 on floaters, right? His patented floater. He shot 10 of those and he hasn't made a single one of them. And he's not and getting he's bailed just, out by the refs either anymore. He's not, he's not getting bailed out by the refs because he's not getting a step on people. And because he's not able to put people in a position to be out of position against him. He has more turnovers and field goals in two games out of the five of the series. And he's shooting 36% on two point shots. He's not even shooting 36% from three. He's shooting 36% on two pointers. So this guy, I mean, He's not playing. Not only is he not playing well, but he's being defended well as well. And he's just not, you know, he's not in a groove. So what I, yeah, no, it has to be more. Joel Embiid says he wants them to be more aggressive and he's got to be more aggressive in order to avoid a game seven. Right. And, and you know, what's funny, Chaz, I'm starting to see some comparisons between Harden and Chris Paul, because right now these guys are both thwarted into situations where they're trying to be these playmakers, right? Well, I mean, Chris Paul is a natural point guard. He's naturally going to want to get guys involved. But what you're seeing is now these, your team needs you to be a scorer. Your team needs you to drop 30 points. The 16 points and 14 assists is not going to cut it. Not unless you've got two other guys or three other guys in your, on your team scoring 20 plus. That's going to be Phoenix's problem because it's like Chris Paul is going to want to get everybody else involved. The question is, is everyone else going to be able to knock down shots? In Philly's case, Obviously, your, your MVP, Joel Embiid, has got a bad thumb on a shooting hand, right? And Toronto's going to keep swatting down at it. 
Embiid's also, I think, looking a little bit run down. They're putting him in a lot of pick-and-roll situations. Toronto has, has really started to seek him out in those high screen and rolls and, and try to get him to uh, out there on the perimeter where the air is thin and he's getting run down. Tyrese Maxey, like I said, is not having the same impact and Tobias Harris. I mean, he's good, but he's not a guy you can consistently rely on to give you 25 plus. So that's what I'm saying in Harden's right. situation. The reason why we said, Oh, Hey, Harden's transition is looking good is because everyone else was scoring at a high volume to start that you know you know to start that series now that everybody else is struggling and toronto has really started to put shackles on maxi and even harris a little bit and mb is not 100 percent. they're going to need james Harden not do the 14 assist thing he's got to go out and give you 35 points and like five assists yeah go out yeah. and be james Harden. you've got the, the key you've got the keys to the vet man go where drive the hell where the hell is the one hundred, the five-year, one hundred and seventy-three million-dollar player Tobias Harris? Where has he been? You know, like yes, he's playing. He's playing okay, right? But that has to be one of the worst. And I'm happy he got his money. I'm all for brothers getting paid. But my God, every single time we talk about this, he he's being play, paid like he's Kawhi Leonard, and he's not Kawhi Leonard. He's not even a top. He's not even a top 30 NBA player, to be Harris, honest. Harris like, is a Harris is at this point a fourth option. But you're gonna man. need him to play like Maxi Maxi is a better is a better option than Harris right now. It's, no it's doubt. But I'm saying but, but this is what I'm saying though, Chaz. Unless Maxi and Harris are gonna give you 25 apiece, then you could live with Harden scoring 16 or 17 points because he's also gonna have those 14 assists. But if you don't get those kind of big productions from those guys. Then who's going to score for you, right? Embiid is doing the best he can, twenty-three and ten, but he is not a hundred percent. So Harden has got to be the guy at this point. And if he's not the guy, then they're going to Game Seven. And who yeah. knows if they'll even come out of that series? Because as we saw last season, Game Seven on on their home court didn't mean shit. Atlanta went in there, busted their ass in the second half, and sent them packing, and and yeah. took their spot in the conference finals. Yeah, you're right about that. Well. There's a few other players that are playing good in these NBA playoffs. One specifically that had a huge dunk. Guess who it was, Chris? I'll tell you on the other side of the break. You know what? Here's to going for it. And being terrible. Here's to giving it a shot, even though your shot is uh, garbage. To being the queen of the court. Oh, maybe not this court. To feeling the burn even if there shouldn't be a burn to feel. To trying your best, even though your swing is the worst. Here's to going down way harder than you get back up. To giving it your all, even though you kind of suck. But you know what doesn't suck? Trying to do something you've never done before. That doesn't suck at all. Not even a little. Welcome back to the Outlet Forum podcast. In case you haven't already done so, be sure to download and follow us on all major streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on iHeartRadio. And, and of course, we're on Apple Podcasts. Leave us that five-star rating. Drop a comment. Let's get that dialogue started. You can also follow us on www.nightcastmedia.com. N-I-T-E-C-A-S-T media.com. Go to the Shows tab. Click on the Outlet Forum. That'll take you to our Apple Podcast page. Chazzy's playoffs have been unbelievable uh, thus far. And really, you, you, you've you been saying it. Fire. fire. Absolute magma. Exactly. Magma, as Dr. Evil would say. Magma. But one of your favorite series, and it's become one of mine, has been the Memphis-Minnesota series right there. And as right before we started recording, what a game five that was. And man, it looked like Minnesota was prime to take a 3-2 series lead. But then late in the third, Ja Morant, figuratively, of course, ended Malik Beasley with one of the greatest dunks I have ever seen in the playoffs, in-game. I mean, that Absolutely was... Absolutely detonated, my man. Oh, my gosh. Malik Beasley, uh, in lieu of flowers, 
please make the donations to the victims of the posterizations, please. <laughs> For those of you that haven't seen it, Ja goes literally right down the middle of the court. It, it's almost like Kevin Love getting in the way of LeBron. There's nobody there. He's just trying to take a charge right above the restricted area circle or half circle. Not only does Ja jump up and dunk it on him, but he cocks it back just like the dunk that he missed on Kevin Love in Memphis. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but John Morant had pretty much the best missed dunk of all time when he dunked on Kevin Love and put his nuts all in his face. Pardon my French. But that's exactly what he did to Malik Beasley. And not only was it in the playoffs, but in game five at home when you needed to have it. Plus, he had a clutch three and a clutch offhand left-hand layup to seal the two-point win to go up 3-2. Incredible, yeah. John Morant is an incredible player. Second pick in overall in the NBA draft a few years ago. And that begs the question, does he... Did he really deserve the most improved player of the year? I don't think so. I think that he is more deserving of MVP than most improved player. He actually had a very nice gesture in giving the award to Desmond Bain, who actually should have been up for the award possibly as well. I would have went personally with Jordan Poole. That's a player who was just a breakout star Mm -hmm. and who is now being considered another one of the Splash Brothers. You know how good you have to be to be considered just as good as Clay and Steph as far as being in the Splash Brother Club. I mean, Jordan Poole should have won that award, in my opinion, but I understand why Jock got it. What do you think, Chris? Well, first of all, where else are you going to get a splash than jumping into a pool, my friend? I mean, that's the best kind of splash there is. Uh, no, but Jock <laughs> ja, ja was incredible in game five, 30 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists, the game-winning shot with one second left. Uh, he willed his team back to a game, uh, back into that game and, and won it for them. So now they got a little bit of breathing room heading back to Minnesota up three, two, trying to go for the chokehold him and Anthony Edwards going back and forth was unbelievable. And yeah, I agree with you. And I have my theory on this. I think the voters felt we want to give Josh something for leading Memphis to the number two seed in the Western conference. They've had a spectacular, spectacular year. And I agree with you. Yeah, he should have been in the MVP conversation. The problem was he missed too many games. He missed 25 games during the season. And Memphis never really missed a beat without him. And I think that's what really hurt his case. So they're like, we can't give him anything else. Can't give him Depoy. We can't give him Roy. We can't give him six man. What else are we going to give him? Ah, we'll throw most improved his way, even though he's been trending upwards the last couple of years. I agree. I, I think Jordan Poole should have been, should have been the leading vote getter or one of the leading vote getters. Desmond Bain could have been in that conversation. Uh, and one of the Lakers, you know, in a season that was so bleak, so disastrous, there was one bright spot. That was Malik Monk. I think he should have at least gotten some votes for, for most improved player. But uh, I don't think Josh should have gotten it. But it was a weird situation where it's like, we want to give you something. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, Chaz, you show up to something, you do a good job, you don't qualify for any award, but they want to give you something. And they're like, hey, we'll give you this, you know. Uh, right. it, 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 it's, it's, it's the symbol, it's the gesture. It's not always what the award necessarily is. It's what it represents, I guess, if that makes any sense. I, I don't no, know. If it no, does, I, but. <laughs> I, I get it. I just, I just, I would have given it to Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole I agree. Yeah. was very deserving of that award. Jordan Poole had a great season. He was just what he was one of the players that, you know, just had a breakout season. And the fact that he was able to keep the Warriors afloat when, Draymond was out when Clay was out for the first part of the season, even when Steph Curry missed time at the end of the season as well. I just think that what he was able to do was just, you know, I don't want to say particularly better than John Morant, but we expect that out of John Morant being the second pick in the draft. So I don't know. With that being said, there's so much other stuff that's going on. We got to get to it Uh, specifically as it pertains to Spider. Mm. Now, the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, I should say, for those of you that don't know Spider Mitchell, uh, the Jazz go down again to Dallas and are down 3-2, facing elimination now, coming back home. But the fact that Luka Doncic missed three games in this series and the match still held a 2-1 lead when he came back and the fact that Gobert and... 
Bogdanovich and Mike Conley, and these guys just haven't been able to get it done. Royce O'Neal, Clarkson, Utah has never been a team to me that I felt could be a real contender. And for that reason, I have to ask the question, how long is Donovan Mitchell really going to be there? I know Dwayne Wade is there and they got a new owner who's young and and is a tech guy who really wants to spend money. But ultimately, does Donovan Mitchell really want to be there long term if they are going to have a team that just never goes anywhere? I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Salt Lake City has never been a free agent destination. I think the biggest free agent signing they actually ever had, maybe up until the last couple of years, was Carlos Boozer, right? Uh, that was back, way back in 2005. Uh, everybody else has always been homegrown. Andre Kirilenko, uh, Darren Williams in recent memory. Go back before that, Stockton and Malone. It's never been a big-time free agent destination. So this aspect of blowing it up, you've got to really have to have a contingency plan with that. So I could see them moving on from Rudy Gobert. I, I, I would say they're not going to let Donovan Mitchell go unless Donovan Mitchell says, I'm out of here. I'm sorry. I want a bigger market. I want to go to LA. I want to go to New York. I want to go to Miami, whatever the case may be. That's what's likely going to happen. It's almost going to be like the Dame Lillard situation where it's like, hey, this is the situation. And I think Wade, that's a major recruiting aspect for the Jazz to keep him there. But I think Mitchell, it really just depends. I think he would really take his career to the next level if he was in a bigger market. I mean, that's what I was saying. The Lakers next couple of years should be looking at him because he would be box office with, with, in L.A. Uh, and certainly I'm sure the Knicks are going to try to throw their hat in the ring, but they're just so dysfunctional over there. I mean, Lakers kind of are too, but you know, still <laughs> Knicks have been awful for years. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, and they're going to continue to be until they, am I? Yeah. Right. And my thing with Mitchell is he's a spectacular talent, just not very efficient, not a very efficient score. Uh, that's still an element of his game. I'd like to see him improve on, you know I mean? He gives you 28 points but it takes him 25 shots to get there. He's not an elite three-point shooter. He's not an elite defender. He's not a big-time playmaker. So, you know what I mean? Like, he's really, really good. He's exciting to watch, but there are some limitations there. So, that's the thing. I, I think if they continue on this path, he may want out over the next couple of years, but... I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what to say about the Utah Jazz because it's like if they blow it up, go where? What, where are you going to go? You're not going to attract anybody. I mean, you're going to try to get some picks. Who, for him or them? Though? No, 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 like, no. I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, what, what direction are they going to go in, right? That's the thing. With some of these smaller markets, you got to be careful of the blowing it up theory because that recovery time could take no, a I'm, very, I, very long time. That's hey, all I'm saying. Just buyer beware. If if he says he doesn't want to be there, then there's, I mean, the, the day and age that we live in, he doesn't have to be there. So True. I don't know. Do I think that he should want out? No, not necessarily because they've shown that they can get good talent. But do I think that at some point he will? Yes, he will. Yeah, yeah I, his, I pers- his, per- his personality and his talent is way bigger uh, than Utah. And if he really wants to win, He's going to have to force his way out. Um, but luckily, he's, he's got that contract and he's gotten paid already. So uh, now he can do that if he really so chooses to, to do so. And I wouldn't be mad at, him, mad at him if he did. Chris, I got to call myself out, man. I, I spoke and we'll, we can kind of keep this short. We don't have to go too, too long. Oh, no, 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 no. That's fine. It's fine. Yeah, we can no. go as long as you want, man. No. <laughs> I, want to, you know, I want to be respectful of your time, man. But I was wrong last week. Oh, and I, it's not that I didn't think that Miami could be real contenders. I just really don't see them hoisting the trophy when all is said and done. And boy, did they prove me wrong in these five games with the Atlanta Hawks. Now, it speaks to the fact that Trey Young and these Atlanta Hawks and Kevin Herter and Gallinari and John Collins and Clint Capella, all these guys haven't won anything or really done anything in the league. You know, Gallinari is the one that's done the most, but I don't even think he's made it to a conference final, to be honest. So, well, outside of last year, yeah. 
Okay, maybe last. Yeah, oh, yes, he did last year. So, I mean, but I mean, I'm talking about actually moving the needle. And this speaks to how much Trey Young just really has to learn. And they're the fact that Miami is doing this without Kyle Lowry and in game five without Jimmy Butler with an unexpected scratch from the game late. The fact that they were able to do that and have this versatility speaks to how good Coach Spo is, speaks to how great the culture is for the Miami Heat, and speaks to how much I was wrong about not including them in the list of teams that are contenders and can hoist that trophy. They definitely can. And Miami and Milwaukee are on a collision course in the next round. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It would be... No, Miami and the winner of Philadelphia, Toronto. Yeah, Sorry about that. Man, James Harden, if they win this series against Toronto, all he's going to do is be an absolute hell. Because I saw Trey Young be – who do he have? I think he had Jimmy Butler on him at one point. Then he had Bam switch out on him. Yeah. And then at one point he had – P.J. Tucker probably. P.J. Tucker on him as well. Yeah. Like, it just – maybe Tyler Hero's a good first. defender too, yeah. Yeah, but, but to have P.J., Jimmy, and Bam on you at this – on the same possession, that same – play but just on the same possession being switched out on you multiple times is crazy so the fact that James Harden is a step behind and Joel Embiid wants him to be more aggressive and he's going to have to face that team if they even get past the Toronto Raptors who are playing with house money right now going back home I don't know that's going to be a tough series so Chris this is there's nothing to debate I was wrong and not picking the Miami Heat come on go ahead and pile it on me man well, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, you know, you, you got to listen to me more, Chaz. Clearly, you know, I, I'm, oh, I'm, ex- stop it. I'm very enlightened. I'm very tuned in. I, I get a lot of things right. No, I'm just messing with you, man. Uh, but yeah, no, you did. You did. You did uh, screw the pooch on that one. And surprisingly so, because, you know, Miami was in. <laughs> you did get that wrong, man. You know, I mean, seriously. Oh, I'm their great pretender yeah i yeah, i messed up okay. i'm i'm at, but it it's all good though. okay now now here's the thing with miami i still don't know if they're going to get out of the east but given how well that they defend given how many guys can contribute i mean look they did not have their starting backcourt uh with them they plug in victor oladipo who barely played this year he looked like the oladipo of old 23 points Struess had a good game um pj tucker was solid bam was good hero I mean, that's the thing with this Miami team is that, yes, Jimmy Butler could go off for 45 points if he wants to. Lowry could go off for a big night. But their team is really the sum of its parts. So they could have different guys show up for them, not to mention the fact that they defend at a high level is going to be the reason why they're going to be in these games. Now, where I think Trey, what's a little bit miss leading about Trey's series against Miami was how many injuries were on this team. John Collins was not hundred percent as the series went on. He was less effective. Boyan Bogdanovich did not play in game five. That was huge. That was huge. That was and huge. then of course you lose Clint Capella. These guys were big, big parts of what they did last year. So to take those three integral parts out of the equation or really limit their effectiveness, of course, the Miami defense was going to be keying in on one guy, Trey young. And they did. Now, I didn't think Trey was going to struggle the way he did. I still thought the series was going to go five or six games. But the Miami defense was suffocating. And the fact that they won a closeout game without Lowry and Butler, I mean, even with Trey and some of those pieces missing, just goes to show you the depth of this team, the fact that they, they are going to make you work for everything. And that is the reason why they're going to be a tough out. They've got experience. They've got depth. they got versatility. They can lock you up. And they could even get into a scoring game with you. Yeah, I mean, everybody gets things wrong sometimes. I mean, maybe not so much in spectacular fashion as in your case, uh, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but everyone gets things wrong. But uh, yeah, no, Miami's definitely going to be a team to watch moving forward. Absolutely. Well, with that being said, we got to get to my favorite part of the Outlet Forum podcast, and that's this, your favorite social media posts of the week. Chris, there's so much to choose from, especially with this last week. Um, I got to go first here. Starting off with at pardon my take. It's just a picture, a split split picture. At the top, you got Seth Curry and Andre Drummond in Brooklyn Black. And then you got Ben Simmons in this clown outfit with his pink shades and his orange pants. And below that is the picture of the Army guys 
I'm sorry, the army soldiers uh, pretty much trying to flank behind this building, but you got four soldiers and one clown right in the middle. And it looks exactly like what Ben Simmons looks on this bench. And I just, that's the funniest thing I've seen all week on Twitter, especially with Ben Simmons tapping out like a bitch, man. I can't, I can't believe that. I And clearly raiding Russell Westbrook's closet for some reason. Apparently what, what you got, <laughs> what you got on tap for mine is, media, fr- mine is from Matt Brooks at Matt Brooks, NBA. And uh, he, this is an interesting one just for context. He says, this team won more playoff games than the 2021-22 Nets team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on it. And it's a picture of D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Ed Davis, Kenneth Fareed. I, I don't know all of these guys that are on here, but I mean, the, the, this was the up-and-coming Brooklyn Net uh, pup squad. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is in there. Joe Harris is sit, sitting in the background. And it just goes to show you that sometimes the grass isn't always greener and that that group, even though they didn't win much, they were still a lot more fun to watch. So I thought uh, that was an interesting, it it was sort of similar to what people were saying about the Lakers, you know, Oh, we gave up all these young players only to see uh, AD and LeBron and Westbrook miss the playoffs. It's, it's sort of a a take on that. So I thought that was an interesting uh, post from Matt Brooks. (laughs) <laughs> man there's so there's so much stuff man on the internet i i mean i could go on josiah josiah johnson had some good stuff i mean even lake show yo had the picture of doc rivers he photoshopped doc rivers face on a lebron and said no coach has ever choked the 3-0 lead in the nba playoff series and i just i mean there's just there's so much stuff man but with that being said another great episode of the outlet forum podcast in the books Thank you guys for tuning in. You guys know where to follow me on Twitter at Chaz Pearson and on Instagram at Chaz P. Chris, where can they follow you, my man? You can always follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Camelo. I'm also on Instagram, see Camelo one Camelo's corner by Chris Camelo. And you could also check us out on www.nightcastmedia.com. N I T E C A S T media.com. You could check out our show on there, but a lot of other great, content in the world of entertainment pop culture and sports you'll find something you like on there trust me absolutely well until next time we'll see you guys next week when maybe we'll be talking about some teams having a lead in the eastern and western conference semis and Chaz can redeem himself on some of his predictions. maybe i'll be you know what i'm gonna double down actually before we go (laughs) out of here miami heat will not win the nba championship They may be contenders for it, but they will not hoist it. With that being said, until next week, guys. Peace.